Father's Day is around the corner. I can't think of a better gift than the Endless Summer box set. This is needed by us fathers. We need this. So don't be a hoe dad. Get your dad or yourself for Father's Day the Endless Summer box set. Hey everybody, welcome to the Quivercast, where we chat with surfers from all around the world, from all walks of life, and we get their story. Find us at www.thequivercast.com. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody. This is Mike here with the QuiverCast, and I got a super special guest in Southern California. I got Tag Gasparian. How are you doing, Tag? I'm good. How are you, Mike? Good, good. So you've been a longtime surfer, like pretty much you started off young in Laguna, right? Yeah, Laguna Beach. I started kind of late, like 14. Oh, you were 14? 13. All right. Did you grow up in Laguna Beach? Yeah, I was um, born in Hollywood, and then two years later, we moved to Laguna Beach because my dad was an artist and my mom, and they were in the Laguna Beach Art Festival and the Pageant of Masters and all that stuff. Right, and that's super fascinating. So <laughs> let's let's talk about your parents. They moved to Laguna probably when it was nothing like it is today. Yeah, it was a lot nicer. <laughs> how, do, how do you mean? It was like one of the best places I could think of to grow up as a kid. There was so much to do and it was just laid back. It was like a hippie surf art town. Okay. Not like money like it is today. No, now it's all rich people moved in there. Do you think that changed the dynamics of it? Mm, It it still looks the same, but the people aren't the same, but there's more houses now. Maybe. Yeah. There's a lot more houses at 14. What inspired you to get aboard and try surfing? Well, I did everything before that. That's why I probably got into it late. Okay. I was skateboarding down all the giant hills on Laguna. Giant hills. And I was skimboarding, and I was body surfing, doing tons of stuff like that at the beach. Were you familiar with the ocean then? Yeah, I was in the ocean every day, skin diving. Okay. You name it. What what streets? Pretty much everywhere. Really? Okay. What was the local like area you'd get on the water? Well, I grew up in on Diamond Street, okay. which is like, Pretty much in the middle of Laguna, I think, but... Okay. And then uh, just explored everywhere along the whole coast. Do you have friends? Like, you guys are all just screwing off over there? Just I had a big group. We all learned how to surf together. It was cool. I had, like, six buddies. Okay. Do you remember those names? Are those guys still around? Yeah, they're still around. I'm actually going to see some of them this weekend. Really? Because one of them's father passed away, and he Uh, actually lives in New Zealand now. Oh, wow. And his dad was a big inspiration to me, too, because he lived on the beach in this sick house above um, 9th Street, mm. which is 1,000 steps. But back in those days, there wasn't a 1,000 steps. You could only get to that beach if someone lived there, and he did, and it was a nude beach. Really? So was that a private staircase to get down there? How yeah. did you get down there? Yeah, it was a private staircase, and some of the richer people had, like, escalators down to the sand. No way! Yeah. <laughs> like, legit? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. They're okay. St- they're still there, but now it's just... Tons of tourists go there. It's like the place to go on social media. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk. Okay, I'm fascinated by the nude beach. <laughs> As a 
12, 13, 14 year old. What are you thinking? It wasn't that big of a, I mean, we're, you know, little boys, we're stoked, but yeah. it was different times. We weren't like little pervs or anything. We, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like natural, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe we were little pervs. Everybody was in their little boys. Right. Like, but, okay. So was it like evened it out like 30 year old chicks on there or was it like oh, really yeah, old guys? No, all different ages. There was really? young girls and old women. Okay. This is sometimes you're like, ah. Not so many guys like at Black Speech, but. Okay, that's my question, yeah. Or Trail 6 in San Onofre. Yeah, not like that. I've never been there. I don't want to go there. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't know if it's like that anymore, but, you know. I heard about it. Yeah, it's strange. But, anyhow. All right. Black Speech um, used to be like that, too. In the old days when I used to serve Blacks every day, uh-huh. it was all the college girls. See, that's rad. And it was nice. And then later on, like these days, I guess it's all old guys. Yeah, well, I think it's outlawed, but. <laughs> I, I think they still like break the law. Interesting. All right. So you thousand steps, which is more like a probably a bodyboarding wave or body surfing wave. Yeah, body surfing and skimboarding. Did you guys like when it was good? That's why Laguna's so big in skimboarding because the waves there it's like mostly a shore pound. Yeah. And it's really good for body surfing and that's where skimboarding's like kind of originated. Right. The Victoria guys. Yeah, Victoria skimboards. So did you have a skimboard? Yeah, I used to make them even and paint them for guys that were really good, like the future pros that were my friends. Okay. And then they became pro, and then they all went to Victoria Skimboard. Right. How how was skimboarding the designs as opposed to today's designs? Because that's kind of a... Well... It, it transitioned. Yeah, they were... Like, wood, like when I made them, they were wood. Plywood. You know, plywood. Yeah. And you'd um, warp the front, so you had a little rocker. And, really? Okay. And then I'd fiberglass and resin them and paint them and stuff like that. But nowadays they're like little surfboards. They're foam core and fiberglass, and they're a lot more advanced. Are they? Did you have fun uh, on the skimboards? Oh yeah, it was killer. Me and all my friends grew up doing that too. Wow. You, were you like like surf on the wave, or were you just kind of just hitting the hitting the wave and coming down? Does that make sense? We were we weren't surfing like they do nowadays, uh-huh. like getting real barreled and stuff like that. But we were. We were hitting the lip and stuff. Okay. So it was like kind of like surfing. Throw, right. Hit the lip, throw a big old fan of spray. In. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So then at what point did you guys, all all your friends and you, decide we're going to get surfboards and try that? I don't know if we all decided at the same time. But okay. We, we all got into it, and then we had this little group. We all kind of learned together. What wave's good in Laguna besides maybe Brook Street? Yeah, it's never really – it's not that good of a town for – I mean, there's a lot of good surfers that come from there. Yeah. But it's mostly like a summer break on the South Swell. Okay. But it's is it like good for surfing? Yeah. There's a lot of good breaks. It's just um, different. Okay. It's like you got to learn to surf through rocks and Rock, reefs. Yes. And, a lot of reefs. But there's everything. There's reef breaks. There's beach breaks. And, there is a beach break. Mm-hmm. You don't have to tell where. I don't know where it's at. <laughs> no, it's okay. I'll tell you all the breaks. <laughs> I don't live there anymore. I won't get in trouble. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> And then what else has changed about it, like, in Laguna? When you drive through there today, you know, when you're, you know, 30 years, 40 years ago, mm-hmm. how different? The surf breaks? The, well, the more is there more surfers out there now than there was? Oh, yeah. There's more surfers everywhere now. It's like, that's kind of one of the reasons I got out of surfing. Mm-hmm. After traveling all over the world and being stuck here now with starting a family and stuff. Yeah. Got kind of bored. The waves are crappy. There's soft boards, buy out of Costco, and there's many yeah. kooks in the water. And There is. 
So you are a legit pro surfer, but we'll get in that in a little while. At what point you're you're surfing all around Laguna, surfing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but are you also body surfing and doing all the other things too? Yeah. You just so your life is revolved around that, the ocean. That, yeah, all the time. That's what's cool about body surfing. It doesn't have to be a a good big swell or nothing. Yeah, you just got the short pound. Yeah, same as skimboarding. So then you decide that I'm gonna you're you're good enough to turn pro. How does that progression go from learning how to surf to all of a sudden you're in the magazines? Well, I didn't. I always thought about being pro when I started surfing, but. All my friends would laugh at me and stuff. And really, okay. <laughs> you know, I was looking to the surfer and all those other mags, and looked up to uh, all the Australians because they were dominating back then. Which guys were you like? Your like a fan Shane Haran and Sean Thompson. He's from South Africa, but Michael Thompson and you know Rabbit and yeah. all those big names. I didn't surf a lot of contests. I was just surfing my brains out every day, and then I did the Brook Street Surf Contest and won that a bunch of times, like three years in a row. Wow, that's cool. That's impressive. And then, but I started at, in the boys' class and worked my way up, and then yeah, got up to the men's, and then that's when I won that one. Do you remember who some of the guys you were surfing against in this contest, the local ones? Mm, I have a bad memory, but yeah. <laughs> so like Jeff Booth and all those guys were kind of younger than you. Yeah, probably. they're like in the boys' division when I was men's. Okay, all right, and he ripped. Did could you tell that he was going to be something? Yeah, back then <laughs> there was a lot of good surfers that came from Laguna, like. Um, Mike Armstrong, he was a pipeline master. Uh, wow, okay. Brian Buckley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's tons of guys. That, And these guys are like younger, older, just dif- different generations? They're, yeah, they were a little bit older than me, and that's okay. who I looked up to, kind of. Okay. You were surfing next to them? Yeah. And if they were here, they were going to Hawaii a lot and stuff. Okay. In Laguna, how how's the wind? Does it matter? They're kind of the, they had like a kelp bed in a lot of it. Yeah, the wind is doesn't really matter there because of the right. kelp beds. Yeah. So it keeps it pretty calm most of the time unless it's a really bad wind. Okay. So you could pretty much surf all the time if there's a swell. Right on. Your dad, he was an artist, and that's why it was more of a hippie town. That's why we moved there, yeah. He yeah. Knew, he knew the, I guess, the, the festival and everything. He could hopefully get in and all the stuff, and he ended up being one of the – him and all his buddies he hung out with were like the top dogs in Laguna in the art world back then in uh, the 60s and 70s. Wow. And then he ended up um, being the manager of the Festival of Arts. Really? And later after that, he was uh, he was a teacher at the Laguna Beach School of Art. What's your dad's name? Armin Gasparian. Tell us about the, the art festivals in Laguna. They're still going today. Mm-hmm. It was a cool place to grow up at night, um, hang out and... I knew all the art artists from my dad, and also there's the pageant of the masters that's behind the festival. Yes, and uh, our whole family was involved. My mom and my myself, my brother and sister, we were in the pageant, and we actually got on TV once in LA. We went up to for a TV show, is the Art Link Letter show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Art. Remember a long time yeah, ago? Yeah, I do. It was about um, you know an artistic family being a whole family. Involved in art, so that's what the show was on. I wish I had the tape, but I don't. Wow. I've never seen it since. Okay. But it was a cool experience. I was in the pageant of the Masters with my siblings, and, and my mom had a booth in the festival, so she was like one of the first silkscreen artists. Wow. And just grew up around the art. So you were just always an artist. Yeah. Pageant of the Masters, what would you guys do in that? If you don't know what it is, it's something pretty cool. It's like... At least to see once in your life. Um, okay. It's like a huge stage um, up against this hill. It's a nice setting. And um, 
it looks like a giant painting from the old days of famous artists, but yeah. it's actually us people with the backdrop behind us. And it, we look, you, you stay still for so many minutes and it looks just like the painting from the old days. That's famous. Painting. Wow. And then they have people with makeup all over their bodies too, that are standing um, on the sides of the people and stuff in the audience. And they look like statues and, pretty cool yeah it's it different looks, i've never seen it but my wife i mean everyone has people come from all around the world to, yeah. to witnesses right yeah it's famous yeah super famous was that fun or was that kind of a chore for you it was fun when i was little but then after a while i got tired of getting makeup put all over my body it was freezing cold and all that <laughs> oh yeah how cold was it <laughs> yeah in the winter you're oh my goodness and then you gotta take it take a shower and it became a hassle when you get older but when you're young it was cool yeah my brother was like the youngest person ever in the pageant Really? And he, and he was good for a couple months, and then he started turning around and waving to everybody because <laughs> he was so young, he got kicked out. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Is your family, any of the family still live in Laguna, or they've all left? No, we've all left. Oh, yeah? Too expensive nowadays. Oh, yeah. But if you had a house there already, how was... Yeah, I wish my dad would have kept, or my mom would have kept our last house. It was incredible. It was like, I don't know how explain it. It was really futuristic for the time. Mm-hmm. It's still there too, and I just I just looked it up. It's worth like three mil now. And oh yeah, I bet. But it's um it's kind of destroyed for three mil. It's just the property. Yeah, the property's everything probably. <laughs> but growing up around this beach lifestyle, this this different culture of artists, because mm-hmm. I I feel like the artist people aren't made to live in suburbia. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're a different kind of, kind of people. Mm-hmm. What did you take from that to make you who you are today? Does that make sense, the question? Mm, yeah. You are an artist today, and we'll get into that. But it's a different environment than how I grew up. Yeah. It's just artist people, you know, it's kind of like there's a... there's. None of they have a different mindset. Yeah. They think differently. Mm-hmm. And they're more open, maybe? Yeah, probably. Probably. I know they're all different. All artists are different. Well, the artists, for most part, don't have an eight-to-five job. Yeah. But I work seven days a week and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll get into that. Okay, so now you're getting, um, you're thinking you want to turn pro. Your friends are laughing at you. Mm-hmm. But what what pushes you mentally to keep trying to pursue this? Well, I always set goals for myself in my mind. I didn't really tell people, but um, I worked all the time. Like when I was a little kid, I had a paper out. Okay. And I had some friends that um they're military and they actually lived in Laguna too and they moved to uh Honolulu. Mm. And they said, Come on, stay whenever you want. So I saved up all my money for my paper out and I was uh fifteen and a half. Okay. I went to Hawaii by myself. First time on an airplane and stuff and just stayed with them for the summer and that like changed my whole world. Really? What'd just, you learn? Just going there and um just the ocean there and the weather and it's so beautiful. And the first thing I did, I saved up enough money because uh, Buttons was like one of my heroes. Yeah, of course. I went straight to IPA and bought an IPA model. Really? With the green and yellow flames and everything like his. Oh, so rad. And I surfed there all summer with my buddy and we skateboarded. This is before it was really built up. Yeah. We skateboarded all the trenches that Larry Bertelman used to skate on the mm. movies and stuff. So we just skated and surfed all summer. So you're just like... Living through your idols. Mm-hmm. Did you see any of them? No, not really. Not back then. You didn't see any of them? On, like, I was a one. kid. Yeah. So, but I knew, you know, that like 
like totally change my view of surfing and what How I want, so? what I kind of want to do. Just it was so tropical and beautiful, and the people were cool, and just the whole lifestyle. Was it, were they welcoming to you? Yeah, being an outsider. Yeah, they were super cool. What about um? That also probably give you some independence. Like mm-hmm. you got out of the house, you're by yeah, yourself. It was my first time traveling. And were you scared or were you excited? No, I wasn't scared. Like <laughs> overly excited, probably. I wasn't. I didn't know about the mokes or anything back then. I was young, but yeah, they, everybody was cool to me, and you know, I was just a little kid. And did you actually buy a board off Ben Ipa? Like, did he sell it to you? Yeah, it was a brand new board from his shop. From his shop, did he sell it? to I you? I don't think it was an Ipa shop. It was um, another shop that carried his boards. Oh, okay. I forget the name. Yeah. How'd that board work? Oh, it was sick. It Did, had the beveled rails and the mm-hmm. stinger, swallow, and um, the airbrush. And I didn't even airbrush back then, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Now, in between surfing and being around your parents and stuff, did that give you the art bug? Did you plan on being an artist one day? No, I didn't plan on it, but I just naturally drew all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, when you're a kid in school, you draw waves on your peachy or whatever i was always drawing perfect waves and tropical scenes and like paradise you know yeah and then you experienced paradise <laughs> and just, at yeah. 15 and then i just kept getting better and better at it at the art yeah and better at surfing yeah okay and then did you bring that ipa back to laguna when you uh-huh. came home yeah and your what'd your friends think um they're all pumped on it yeah like envious maybe yeah dude that's so rad do you have that board today? No, I wish I had <sighs> one board of my from the old day. I don't have any. Wow, really? That's a bummer. That IPA one, man. Wow. I just saw um, Brad Gerlach had a board restored, and it was one of the ones that I painted that he he was going to ride or something in a single fin contest in Australia. Oh, really? So it was cool, and it was cool seeing my you know my artwork. He still had a board and stuff. I'm like, I wish I would have kept some of my boards. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I have some mine, but. Yeah, I, I love to hold on to that stuff. You can, you know, some of these boards are, are showing up at garage sales and stuff too. Uh-huh. So you never know. Or you go on Craigslist. There's <laughs> there's opportunity to find some of your old boards. Okay, so um, you're getting better at surfing. You're getting better at your art. Yeah. And now you're out of high school. Were you good at school? No, I sucked. I was never there because where my house was is up on the hill of Laguna, and I could see the Brook Street breaking. <laughs> I could tell when there was a swell and I'd be gone every time there was waves. What did your parents think about you ditching school? Mm. Or were you slick about it and didn't get caught? They didn't really know, but my uh, grades sucked because I was never there. Okay. I'd only go for the girls. and I, I hate, like you're saying, artists are different. Yeah. I hated um, school and being told what to do. Okay. Like a lot of rebel kids, you know? Yeah, the, the authority. Yeah. You didn't like that. Okay. So now you're 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 transitioning what what's going on in your life you know you you have goals to be a pro surfer how do you pursue that uh, i left high school when i was a junior mm-hmm. and i went straight to Kauai. oh you went right to hawaii yeah okay by myself with like a couple hundred bucks wow <laughs> just went for it mm-hmm. and i went to Kauai. i'd never been to that island and i was but i didn't have a car or anything i didn't know what to do and i was stuck in lahui which is there's no surf right there. Okay. And I check out this crazy story. All right. I was looking for a job there so I could survive looking in the newspaper. And, uh, there was a help wanted ad on the other side of the Island, the South shore. Yep. Poipu. 
and I hitchhiked all the way there. It was for construction, building a house. And I get to the, finally get to the property. It took all day to get there, walking, hitchhiking, <laughs> running, whatever. Yeah. And I get to the land and this old guy was there. I'm like, he looks familiar. Yeah. And he noticed me and he's like, Tag, is that you? And I'm like, yeah, is that Mr. Amneas? I grew up with his son in Laguna Beach. Oh, wow. And okay. they're building a multi-million dollar house on the, right on the water by Spouting Horn. Wow. And he just gave me a job right away. As I didn't have any experience, but he knew me he, and he trusted me. You know, and I was just a laborer. But So I helped and I worked um, there for and stayed there for three years. Wow. Even after the house was built, they had like a um, studio down below and I got to live in there for free. And Wow, cool. They set you up. They weren't there ever after the house was built. I just took care of the landscaping and the house and stuff. Okay, that's rad. <laughs> Dude, that that sounds the best job ever. I got so lucky. And how were the waves? It was super fun. It's small on the you know on the south shore there, but I had a car and I'd go to the north shore, the west side, all over the island. Yeah. How old you? Eighteen when you go to Kauai? Yeah, I was nineteen. How different were the islands? Um, it was totally different from Honolulu. Mm-hmm. It's you know it's all skyscrapers and yeah, city. A lot of surfers probably. Yeah, Kauai a lot less was, surfers. Yeah, this is. The tropics. And it was back then, it was way less people. Oh, I bet. And then, so you stay there for three years, and what? What? what does, why did you decide to leave? Well, I was just there. I wanted to get better at surfing good big waves. and So that's the reason in your head you went there in the first place? Yeah. Okay. Go to the North Shore, West Side, surfed a lot of secret spots, had tons of different breaks, and I was surfing with good surfers from there too, local Hawaiians and other pros like back then, Margo Oberg. Oh yeah, Margo. Spot right next to me, and yeah, her husband Steve, and there was all kinds of other good surfers to look up to. Were you friends with Margo? Um, I was in the water with them and stuff, but when I was young, I was like real shy, and I didn't talk to people I didn't know. Okay, I'd always keep to myself. And that probably works good in Hawaii, though. Yeah, it was good for that, but then I realized later on that. You know, you miss a lot of opportunities by not speaking up. <laughs> that's that's 100 percent true. Yeah. I try to teach my sons to uh, don't be like I was because you can miss a lot of opportunities by not talking to people. Yeah, yeah. How good was Margot in surfing? She ripped back then. Yeah, right. She had a lightning bolt single fin. She was ripping. What year is this around? Seventy nine. So this is like her heyday. This is when she's making the covers and yeah. stuff of Surfer Magazine. She still has a surf school there to this day. Yeah, interesting. That would that'd be super fun. So then you hit your goal of getting to become a better surfer, right? And you feel like it's time to move on. Yeah. And then I came back to Encinitas where my mom was living. Okay. Because my parents uh, got divorced. So let me stop you there. So they leave Laguna, which is an art town. And at that point, I'm guessing Encinitas is an art town now. Um, it, kind of. It was kind of. Yeah. It wasn't like Laguna, but it was artsy. Yeah. More so than than maybe like. Carlsbad or something like yeah. that, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you go to Encinitas. Mm-hmm. It was a good place to go to. The surf is a lot of good surf spots. Yeah. Along the campground and mm-hmm. Swamis. Tons of places. Yeah, Swamis. I was there every day in the winter. And then the summer, I was at D Street and Seaside. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Seaside always has a wave. Yeah. Some sort of surfable wave. But I was going all over the place. I'd go to Oceanside, Carlsbad, wherever yeah. there's waves. I'd Blacks. And did you get a job at this point? We didn't have Surfline and no Surfline, no. cell phones back then. So you just is this have to before nine seven six surf? Yeah, or is it like yeah, you just that? have to get in your car and drive down the coast and find the 
best spot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Kids have no clue, no cam. They have it easy now. Yeah, it's so easy now. <laughs> it also makes you, like, not go and look at the ways. And sometimes the ways are better than the looks. Yeah. I, I used to paddle out every day. It didn't matter if it was flat or blown out. I'd, it was still exercise and good to be in the ocean. Do you? Would you think it was an addiction or was it more for fun? It was kind of both. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Grew up in the ocean. I felt, you know how you feel when you're surfing all the time. You got to be in the salt water. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, rejuvenating. Yeah, 100%. So what do you learn in Encinitas? And are you doing art at this point? I wasn't doing that much art right then. I was just more focused on surfing. Okay. Um, What's what's your new goal at this point? To get sponsors. Okay. You're looking for sponsors. Yeah, I got uh, sponsored by Sunset Surfboards that was in Encinitas. Yeah. And they were really cool guys, and they were making my boards, and that was my first surfboard sponsor, and then another shop opened up right by them and i knew one of my friends that i was living in Antonia's by um he became manager of that shop it was um Antonia's sports center okay and they had better boards i think lindens and brewers and a couple other yeah and i started writing for them that was like one of my main sponsors for a long time through the sponsorship are you meeting like other companies and stuff or are you trying to mm-hmm. are you selling sponsors? yourself as a pro is what my question is i guess yeah, that took a little bit longer, but I was just surfing for them at Swami and all these spots and doing photo shoots for their shop. And and then I got to meet Gary Linden and Dick Brewer because they were making the boards. Mm-hmm. And that helped me. And then I started getting more sponsors like Rip Curl and Gotcha Clothing and Prolite, all these different companies, Stylize. Yeah, that's rad. Who are the guys you were surfing with along, alongside you? At this point in Encinitas. Yeah, Encinitas, I'm sorry. Um, this Hawaiian kid, Tad Shumabakuro, we used to surf together all the time. We lived right by each other, and they used to call us TNT because we were like brothers. <laughs> we're inseparable. Oh, cool. So everybody knew it says TNT, and um, there was a bunch of others. There's so many surfers at Swami's that were good. Are you feeling confident at this point? Are you surfing contests? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, we were doing, we were in like the Swami's club. Okay. And we were having like little events and doing random contests and stuff and then then i started surfing psaa's and stuff like that so did you ever take the asp route or you just did the domestic tour no i did psaa for a long time and um once i got all my sponsors and then i did do parts of the asp world tour oh did you okay so let's talk about the psaa uh-huh. is this when joey brown was running it? yeah okay what was the competition like and how did you do the competition was good a lot of those guys were all my friends. You know, I surfed all over the coast. I knew them already from Carlsbad and okay. wherever, Oceanside and stuff. That was good competition. And, then, you know, you, you'd surf against all the L.A. guys and, you know, everybody. Yeah, so you're meeting all the different people. Yeah, and we'd travel from San Diego to San Francisco, surfing mm-hmm. all the events. I had a van again. Okay, So I was cool. like, I could just camp in it and wherever I went for a surf contest, it was perfect. Were you making money? Not really, I, but I made money off of uh, photo incentives from my sponsors. I was in the mags more than doing good in contests. In the early days of the PSAA, who are the guys you were serving against? Like maybe Scott Daly or like, yeah. who are the guys? Scott Lambrizzi. Daly, Lambrizzi, Ted Robinson. Every, Mike Parsons. All those guys, yeah. Were you beating them? Sometimes, but those guys are all like NSSA guys and they had it wired for contests. Okay. And it was like <laughs> three to the beach at this point? Yeah. How hard was that hard for you to wrap your head around? Or were you in your free surf sessions? Were you doing three to the beach? 
Yeah, I was riding them to the beach and stuff. I just didn't have a mindset of, I wish I would have known about NSSA when I was little. Uh-huh. And I would have gone that route. But, I don't know, contests weren't really my thing. I never did that great in them. So. Were they fun? Yeah, they were fun. How's I rolling kept up? trying. <laughs> How many years did you pursue that? For like eight, nine years. Really? That's a long time. Yeah. So you must have been having somewhat success to well, keep I had trying. To, I had to do it also to keep my sponsors. That's what okay. they wanted you to do back then. Yeah. They didn't have. The like, free surfer. Thing yeah. Like around. nowadays, if, if they would have had the free surfing like they mm-hmm. do nowadays, mm-hmm. that would have been my thing. You would have jumped on that. Yeah. Traveled the world and just got slotted. I was traveling the world anyways, but if I would have got videos and yeah. stuff, I would have killed it in those. Wow. Okay. So you think your surfing was up to par with these guys? Yeah. And free surfing, I could yeah. go out and free surf with Gurr and all those guys I grew up with and all those guys I competed with. And on a free surf, I could surf as good as them, but in a contest, I'd flop. Yeah. That <laughs> totally makes sense. Yeah. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. The surfing contest. For 10 years. And then where did you surf? Are you at the in between the contest? Where are you going? Where are you traveling to? Um, where are some of the places you've been? I went to Bali. My first trip to Bali, it was like we we're flying right. You fly right in over, over Uluwatu when you yeah. go to the airport. You've uh-huh. been there? No, I never uh, been there. And we're looking down. It's like huge. <laughs> and we're like, I was scared. I was like, holy shit. My biggest board's only like 610. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was going there. Yeah. And then the next morning we went there and nobody's even paddling out because it was like 15 foot. What year is this? 80. It was right when I got my pull-out poster. That's where I got the money from to go there. Oh, that's <laughs> rad. Uh, 87. 87. Okay. So you show up there and it's just macking. It was macking and just me and a couple of guys paddle out because it was so huge. Everybody was scared. You did paddle out? Yeah. Wow. On like a 610, I needed like a seven or eight foot board. Okay. And... uh Paddling up the first wave, my friend, he was a local from Lucadia. Okay. And he'd been there a couple of times. So was, that's why I went with him, too. He was going to show me all the spots and he mm-hmm. had it wired. Mm-hmm. Anyways, he was dropping in on the first wave and I'm paddling up the shoulder, right? Looking at him drop in. He was just air dropping all the way to the bottom and right through his board at the bottom. Oh, no. He had to swim in and get it. Oh, my God. board out of this shop out there on the cliff. And wow. It was crazy. So, how long did it take you to catch your first wave there during that that day? Mm, I don't did you sit around for a while, like to get to figure it out? A little bit, but I got waves and stuff. But I don't remember how long it took. Or anything. it was a while ago. Okay, it was a gnarly experience. Would you have paddled out? Did he talk you into paddling out, or did you just say, "Let's, we have to do this"? I'm he kind of talked to me because he's been there before, and he's like, "You can do it," and I just followed him. Okay, how was the trip overall? It was sick. It was like. It's like one of the best places. It's one of my favorite places to go, Indonesia. We went to G-Land that trip. Really? Yeah. Compared all the to the G-Land, what's the difference? Mm, it's totally different. Um, I don't know. Uluwatu just, you know, breaks up against this giant cliff and yeah, big long left. It's fun. And then G-Land is like, I don't know, spread out. It's a super long wave. Mm-hmm. It's a good swell. Okay. Different parts of the reef and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You're more in the jungle and stuff. How long did this this whole trip last? Um, I was there for like almost two months. Wow. So you mentioned that you made this this photo that we we all shall post it on Instagram. That made you enough money to get an airplane, mm-hmm. and stay two months in, in Bali. Yeah. 
Really? It was a pull-out poster, but... Let's talk about the poster. I was bummed because if it would have been cover, I would have got more money. (laughs) (laughs) I could have stayed stayed longer. (laughs) It's kind of a staple. The picture of you is well-known in the surfing. Yeah, a lot of people have it on their walls and stuff growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was at Black's Beach. It was... um, the, actually, the first photo ever taken by a pole camera, Sonny Miller. Well, really? Oh, that's a Sonny Miller picture. Sonny Miller um, made the pole camera okay. experimental thing. And mm-hmm. I didn't even go to the... I took photos with him all the time, but I didn't even go to that day with him. I just went surfing, and he was with some other guys, and I just happened to get the wave right in front of him, perfect distance, oh, yeah. and hit the lip right there and got Okay. It. And that's a rad photo. So let's talk about Sonny Miller. You said you shot with him a lot. Mm-hmm. How did you build that relationship? Just surfing. You know, he'd wanted to get photos of me and other guys that were good in Encinitas area back yep. then. Yeah. He's hung out with Gurr and Doug Silva and me mm-hmm. and Todd Martin and a bunch of people. Do, do you guys like call each other? Like, hey, there's swell. Let's go, go to here or there or whatever. Most of the time we just go to the spot to surf and he'd be there. He, oh, he okay. knew too, you know? Yeah. He was a surfer too. Did he serve good? Yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah. In the I heard. early days, and then he got more into photography. Okay. You that think, was like his art, you know? Was it? Yeah. And he was using film too, right? Mm-hmm. He was ahead of his time too. Was, he was really good. Thinking. You know what he became, he, you know, filming for. The current. Yeah, and then the movie industry and stuff with yeah, Laird no. and James Bond movies and all that stuff. Yeah, he, he made something out of his art, mm-hmm. which kind of translates to your stories a little bit too. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're you're working, you're getting you're getting money, but you're not trying to. You're just living day to day, kind of. It sounds like. Yeah, it's more like I just loved being in the ocean and surfing. I was living the life, the lifestyle. It was the lifestyle. Yeah, you didn't give a shit about tomorrow. No, we're gonna get a photo. I was getting have fun. bags and making money, and that was my thing, kind of. At what point did you say I got to transition to something else? Mm. And you're doing art, I'm guessing, like it maybe. Yeah. I was working too. I was working at the Linden surfboard factory in Oceanside and I was painting all their boards. So, so I learned how to airbrush surfboards there and, um, for Gary and Dick Brewer and, you know, I was doing like Lopez boards too and all really? kinds of different boards that would come to the factory. So I worked there for a long time. Like, As an airbrusher? Uh huh. How did you learn how to airbrush? I just went for it. I, <laughs> I went, I went, no, I went to this one guy. That I knew airbrush before me. Okay. And then listen to this. Um, he actually did my boards back in uh, when I was sponsored by Sunset Surfboards. Okay. His name's. He Pete. did your boards like shaved them or what? Airbrushed them. Airbrushed them. Got him. His name's Peter St. Pierre. He's super cool. But oh yeah, okay. He's well known. Yeah, he's yeah, been yeah, painting yeah, surfboards his whole life. But I went to his shop first because he used to paint my boards, and I thought he'd be cool about it. Yeah. And I went and asked him, and he told me to fuck off. <laughs> He didn't want to teach me how to paint boards. And he didn't want to teach anybody, probably. No. Okay. He was all grumpy. He was nice all the time until I asked him that, and he turned into a full grump. Yeah. So then I went to uh, this other guy, Jeff Myers. He's mm. well-known. He's an artist, too. Yeah, he paints yeah. surfboards for everybody. And he was totally opposite. He was totally cool. Took me in and showed me how to use the gun and the mix paints. It's pretty basic, but he taught me all the ropes. But you already had the, the art background by just drawing oh, yeah. on your folders. I could draw anything and... Do all that stuff. I was making signs for Gary, um, carving big chunks of eight-foot foam into designs and then airbrushing them for Gary for display for shows and for local surf shops and stuff like Surf Ride and stuff. Surfing in the day? And was Gary 
like he's pretty flexible and that guy being a total surfer. And oh all. yeah. We'd surf every morning and okay. go, go to work. Would you have your own hours? Yeah. I had my own hours as yeah. long as I got boards done on time. <laughs> okay. With you growing up in Laguna, did that open the door for your, your head, I guess your head space to become an artist and it just organically happened or do you, your goals would be in a pro surfer. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You had, did you have multiple goals at one time? This is my Not question. Really? I kind of, set them and try to reach them and then i'd go to the next one at what point did airbrusher become your goal that really wasn't a goal but it was a it was my art and it was a good job and it paid the bills and then so money and i could surf at the same time you're keeping the lifestyle going yeah were you doing contests at that point too yeah i was doing them at that time too so gary would like i'll see you next weekend yeah you got ocean beach or whatever i had the weekends off (laughs) yeah okay cool how was Gary the boss? Oh, he's the coolest guy ever. He's still cool. He's still shaping away. Legend. Mm-hmm. Like one of the best shapers in the world. And we still. had like the best surf team back then. Who was um, on the team? There's so many. I can't even probably remember them all, but there was like, you know, Lambrizi, Brad Gerlock, Chewy Reyna. Yeah. Chewy. Danny uh, Smith from Oceanside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd Holland. Todd Holland. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I forgot about that guy. Tons of Hawaiians. All kinds of sh- surfers from that time okay so these guys are the team riders are coming in there's right? more sorry if i don't yeah if you mention you. <laughs> there's a lot of names right there and being team riders are they coming to you and telling you what they want on their air on yeah their airbrush sometimes they just tell me colors and i do something clean or okay with gerlock it was different he always had like an idea he'd like sketch something up and mm. we're always coming up with something different for him to stand out. He always wanted to stand out. He wanted bright colors and yeah, stuff for yeah. contest. Yeah. Rock star guy. And I, yeah, he's like a rock star. Yeah. So <laughs> I still have those, I have pictures of his boards. I can show you in my, one of my portfolios. It's pretty cool. Okay. And like a lot of those boards became pretty famous because of the designs we did. Yeah. hundred percent. And then what like like Todd Holland? Was he pretty open, pretty generic or do you want? He just had like, Usually his boards are yellow with orange rails. Or yeah, I remember rails. that. That's yeah. what I, I can picture in my head. Let's talk about Gerlach for a minute. Mm-hmm. He was, I would say him and Martin Potter kind of on the rock star surf mm-hmm. thing going. Yeah. Right? And I think th- I think they even had a rivalry. Yeah. Partially. But your airbrushes on his boards, do you think that helped make him give mm-hmm. him that image? It probably helped a little, but I don't. He was a talented surfer. Oh, total talent, yeah. He was not like, taken away from that at all. He was all. like a rock star actor, comedian. Funny as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he made himself, but. That's true. He had to have that look, you know? And you helped. Yeah. I made <laughs> logos for him and everything like that, too. What do you mean, logos? Um, the Gur logo? Yeah, he had Gur logos that I designed and stuff. It was kind of like tribally, like a spider look. And we used to paint his boards like that, too. Okay. And stuff. How long did you do this for? For Linden, um, in surfboards in general, in Linden, yeah, I, I airbrushed surfboards for like twenty-seven years. But I went to I, from Linden's. I went to um, this other glass shop in Oceanside, and I was working for Channel Islands and Mike Barron and all these other surfboard yeah, shapers. Yeah, yeah. Are you building a clientele for your for yourself? Like, what what are your plans at this point? Was it just to pay the rent? Yeah, or did was, you have a future plan? Like, I want to start my own business. No, I wasn't thinking like that. I was just doing it for to pay the bills. Okay. Doing my art. Now in the surf industry. In the surf industry. Did you ever burn out on the surf industry? Mm, yeah, at the end I did cuz uh I just got burnt out on 
surfing in California when, when I couldn't do the tour or travel anymore. I was, you know, I got married and started having a family and I was stuck in Oceanside and the waves are always crappy and California and cold after experiencing the whole world, you know, like, yeah, man, it sucks here. You reach the goal of the pro surfer. You decide I'm going to hang the Jersey up. Mm -hmm. Was that a hard decision? Mm, Yeah, but it wasn't that bad. Okay. I was in love with my wife and we started having kids and that changes your life, you know? Did you have kids while you're still doing the, in the surf industry or did you you walk away? Well, yeah, they were little when I, when I finally stopped. Where were you living at this point? Carlsbad. Okay. And you move on. You're burned out on, not burned out necessarily, but you're kind of over, are you over surfing itself, do you think? I always loved surfing. I was just dealing with longboarders and. So this is the 90s now. Crowds, yeah. Where the whole transition of the shortboard to the guys that haven't surfed in 20 years bought a new board again, mm-hmm. decided they want to start surfing. Yeah, and just dealing with crowded spots all the time and stuff like that in cold weather. So did you find yourself just surfing less and less? Yeah, and then I um, I never rode motocross really, but yeah, I always wanted to, and I got a dirt bike, and I started riding mm. to get um, that adrenaline rush, you know, surfing good big waves and yeah. getting barreled and like I used to. So I got into motocross, and I started at like 30, which is old for motocross, mm-hmm. but, but I... Um, Got totally into it. I thought, hey, why don't I try painting helmets for motocross riders, you know, pros and stuff. So I went to this place and started working for this guy. He had a shop. That's all he did was paint helmets. Mm -hmm. I was like one of his top painters. And I just, uh, I was painting helmets for a lot of his customers were older pros and stuff that were doing motocross schools now because they're older after their careers. So I was taking all these motocross schools from them, and it helped me get better faster. Mm. And I kept doing that. And then when I had my boys, uh, I have two sons, they got into motocross with me, and we were racing and riding three days a week. And that just pulled you further and further away from the ocean? Yeah. And okay. then we moved to uh, Temecula, which is like the hub for motocross yeah, back then. 100%. That's where all the pro motocrossers, a lot of them live, and they still do. And then I started my own business, Painting Helmet. <laughs> At any point, are you feeding to surf at all? When you're living in Temecula, you're making that drive, the half an hour drive or 40 minutes? No, I wasn't, I wasn't driving to the, you weren't to surf anymore. I was just going to the Laguna once in a while to go body surfing to get in the ocean and stuff. Okay. But so I was mostly landlocked, just getting into my art and riding motocross. Did that fill that, that gap of the ocean? That adrenaline? I mean, you talked about it, you wanted the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. But th- once in a while, you have to feel like, oh, I just need to get wet. Especially yeah. in Temecula, it's hot. Yeah. It gets warm in the summer. Yeah, it's hot in the summer. But so that's it. Surfing's done yeah, at pretty, that point. Pretty much. Wow. Okay. If I could, if I had the money to travel and stuff, I would have kept doing it. But okay, I was just trying to survive. At this point, you're you're raising a family. Mm-hmm. We bought a nice house out in Temecula and a perfect place for the kids to grow up, where they could walk to all their schools. Yeah. Elementary, junior, and yeah. high school were all walkable too. Cool. And it was all green belts and. Nice area for them. Perfect suburban life. Mm -hmm. A life that you never lived. Mm -mm. Ever. How was that? How was that? Was that adjusting? Was that an adjustment? Yeah, but it was, it was nice. You liked it? Yeah. It was good for them and my wife was happy. So it was good. Uh, Your wife was that. So that's cool. (laughs) That was like her dream house. I got her dream house. What's your wife's name? Gabriella. Gabriella. So you made Gabriella happy. Did you, was she, was she raised in the same lifestyle as you? 
Um, she grew up in Escondido, and then I met her in Carlsbad. She okay, was my cool. bank teller. Oh, <laughs> rad. <laughs> Super rad. Now, at this point, is there anything else about surf that you want to talk about? You filled your goals. Uh-huh. That's rad. Yeah, not really. I just did the pro thing and traveled all over the world. And, and modeled. Got to see the world and surf contests with the best surfers, my idols and stuff. It was fun. Made <laughs> friends with them. Had good sponsors and, yeah, had lots of good friends. Wow. Okay, cool. Guys you still talk to today? Yeah, some of them. Okay, cool. Now you're one of the biggest. Uh, how do you label your business? Is, Tiger, is it Tiger Designs, right? Mm-hmm, Tiger Designs. So you're huge in motocross and what else? Mostly moto and race car helmets. We, we do every kind of helmet, but we're more labeled as motocross. But I'm getting more and more race car drivers helmets. Really? We do everything. Though. We do skydiving helmets ski helmets we've done olympic helmets um actually uh i signed a contract with bell helmets yes they're like probably one of the best manufacturers in the world i did a exclusive agreement with them i'm one of their top designers wow okay cool so i design helmets for them and they i'll paint a one-off helmet and they'll scan it on a computer or redraw it by hand or however they do it Mm. and they send it to asia and they reproduce it they make thousands yeah the replicas they make thousands of helmets and they sell them worldwide in all the retail stores and that's all your design Mm -hmm. that's so how does that feel and i got my name big on there so it makes me feel proud yeah totally right that's that's amazing and the name has grown i've been doing that for 18 years now wow i've had this little paint shop my name's worldwide now on social media Mm because social media is huge yeah that's how i get a lot of my business i get customers all over the world okay we have our riders and video games, all kinds of stuff we've done. With your helmets on? Yeah. That's awesome. Did you ever think as a 15-year-old surfer that this is what your life would be later on? No, not no, at all. Not at all? <laughs> did you have plans as a 15-year-old? What, what did you think you were going to be? No, I didn't have plans. No? I just wanted to surf and that's, travel that's the world and, and you live the those. dream, you know? You lived the dream. <laughs> okay, so back to the helmets and and, and, and working under Bell, or is that, is that the right term? Yeah. Okay. And and meeting all of a sudden the motor guys. Uh-huh. How was that? How was that transition? Are the guys in moto similar to like surfers? Yeah, they're all different, just like surfers. Yeah. They all have their own different personalities. Some have egos, some don't. Okay. Some are super cool. Some are snobby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, I guess all humans are like that, I guess, right? Yeah. So who are some of the guys that you've done helmets for? Pretty much everybody in the world you could name. Like really? The biggest names. James Stewart, yeah. Ricky Carmichael, Kevin Windham, Chad Reed, Justin Barsha, Ryan Villapoto, all those kind of guys. Pretty much anyone you name, I probably painted them a helmet. In the beginning, were they coming to you? Did they hear about you? Or how did they find out about you? Uh, this is how I started is when I first started my business, I did free helmets for like a whole year for all the local pros in the okay. Temecula area. So you were approaching them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was painting on the helmets um, that were privateers. They were going into, that means they're going to Supercross for the first time, you know, like okay. a rookie. Yeah. And then they were getting photos in the mags and people would see them at Supercross and stuff. And that got my name out there mm-hmm. the first year. I mean, I was losing money, but yeah. in the long run, it helped me because the next year after that, I had Fox and all these big companies calling me. They mm. wanted me to paint you know, Carmichael and Stewart's helmets for the motocross, the nations and all these big names started coming to me. 
And now you have this this business that mm-hmm. is blooming. Yeah, it was like free advertising, but I was, you know, sacrificing the first year, but then it made it worthwhile. How did you pay the bills for that year? Did you save up in order to do this? I was painting for other people, but it wasn't okay. like, you know, the pro thing wasn't there. It was just starting. Kind of the, like the local guy down the street. Yeah. Helmet. Looking back at your life today, is there, do you miss surfing today? Yeah, I always think about it. I follow the WSL and some of your old friends watch too. Watch all probably. those guys, yeah, and my old friends. And I, I talk to some of the pros nowadays just on social media and try to give them, you know, good encouragement and stuff. You guys, you're killing it or whatever, you know. Yeah, you deserve it. And these, yeah, some of these guys are coming back, and then their their names are never going to go away in surfing history. Mm-hmm. And the magazines for you guys in the mags, yeah. It's it's there with no magazines. You have social media, easy come, easy go kind of thing. Yeah. thing. Unless you're like John John or somebody. Yeah. Are you watching WSL today? Yeah. Pro surfing? Yeah. Are you? I watch all of them. What do you think about it? I know there's lots of mixed feelings about it, but yeah. I think it's better. Than feelings? It, I think it's better than it's ever been. Really? Yeah. The video coverage is better. Everything's better and the format, I know it's changed and a lot of people don't like it, but I think it's good for the sport. It's cool seeing the same guys all the time over and over, but this gives more rookies a chance if they make it, you know, to the On the, the challenger, you mean? Yeah, if they make it to the qualifiers, to yeah. the tour, and then I think the whole thing's better. Versus when you were a pro and struggling, living in the, not getting hotel rooms and, and sleeping in the contest area, right? Do mm-hmm. you think the guys have, well, the oh. top names have it way better. because Well, the money catered. nowadays is the totally money. different. Yeah. Back then we were struggling. Now it's like. A lot easier. <laughs> uh, well, I think the QS guys still, the, the the low guys are still struggling, probably. Yeah. I guess. The sponsors have more money, too, nowadays, though, too. Yeah. <laughs> are you envious that it wasn't like that back then? Or you helped grow the sport, you guys, that era. Yeah. It, I was envious, but I'm stoked for the whole sport. It's, I think it's better overall. Versus motocross sports. Mm-hmm. Are they similar at all? Mm, yeah, pretty much. Are they? Okay. Just the formats are different, but the, the money-wise, it you know everything grows with time. Yeah. Anything else about that? I know it's more cutthroat nowadays. I mean, you know, if at the end of the year to become world champion, top five guys can anyone can do it. Okay. So it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> in both sports, in moto and in surfing. Mm-hmm. Looking back at when you started at fourteen, right? Mm-hmm. Parents are pushing their kids at a younger and younger oh, age. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen it. Kids have it way easier now because they start when they're like two years old and they're <laughs> ripping at four, right? But like Shane Dorian's kid, he's killing it. Oh yeah, yeah, Jackson Dorian. And how old is he now? Like fifteen? I think so. he's young. <laughs> he's in a, he's a teenager. Yeah, and he's gonna he's really good. And then there's other kids that are even younger that are ripping. You know? Yeah. There's so many good guys. I can't even mention them all, but yeah, they're starting so young and they have sponsors and. Everything's paid for already, and right. it's totally different. Is the same in motor, too, the little because, kids? It's because of social media, too. You think so? Yeah, all that stuff helps. What about the little kids in moto? Um, Are they having the same? Moto's actually a little harder. Is it? Yeah, they get sponsors and stuff, but and motocross is dangerous. Dangerous, and it's expensive. Yeah, expensive, and most of the people in motocross have money to start with. You had, do you think you have to have money? You have to have bikes. You got to have transportation to get to all the races. And it's not like surfing. You just have a board and go to the beach. You know? Right. It's affordable. <laughs> Semi affordable. 
And you get broken bones all the time, surgeries. and Like me and my boys used to race and ride all the time, but my sons were getting really good and fast, and that's when they get it gets more dangerous. Yeah, of course. And I started my business, and I made them quit. It, and Did I quit you? too because I saw it through my riders working here, paying helmets for my own riders were getting paralyzed and dying and stuff from so, motocross. So I made us all quit. Do you still go out and ride? And just like no, I don't even do it anymore at all because uh, I have so much work. I got to be here all the time working. You working? You said seven days a week. Is that is that a fact? Yeah. Really? Sometimes I'll get a, one day off or special occasion. Like the last one was uh, last November. It was my wife's birthday. We went up to Northern California for four days. That's like a big vacation. So being an independent business owner. It's just because I'm small business. It's, yeah. I don't have a ton of employees that could run the place while I'm gone and mm -hmm. stuff. Do like, you enjoy being your own boss? There's good and bad. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> Not like the days of Lyndon, you know, or guys walking in and telling no, me what they want. So that was like fun times, you know, was just it? learning and I could do whatever I wanted as long as I got the boards done on time and stuff. But some of your helmets are like, you just showed me some of your helmets. Mm -hmm. You showed me when we got here and they're just phenomenal, complete Thanks. art. I try to do my best. So it helps the name keep growing, you know. Where do you get the concepts? Where's your creativity come from, I guess? That's the, the hardest part. A lot of painters like that do what I do, they're kind of stagnant. They do the same design over right. and over Okay, their whole career. And I'm looking around, and that's not the case here. And I try to do a little bit of everything and always come up with new stuff because I know everybody has a different mindset, and they like different things. Everybody's different, you know? Yeah. So it's good to be able to do offer everything. When someone comes to you. So are, are some of the big names still walking in these doors? Yeah. And talking to you and telling you what mm -hmm. they want? Yeah, every day. Kind of like how Gerlach would do with mm -hmm. you? I had um, this guy right here at the Rockstar Helmet. But yeah. He's one of the top pros, Dean Wilson. Okay. We do his, and he was just in here picking up a couple of helmets, and I got to do this one also for the Supercross season right now. I it helps that they all live in like, what, 20 miles radius of this place? Yeah, a lot of them do. And a lot of them live in Florida, but we just ship. We ship worldwide, too. Okay. I just had a customer come in here yesterday from Switzerland. They come from all over the world. Really? Is this like a top rider or is this guy some guy? No, that was just a customer. I, I did a helmet for him and his friends like five years ago. Okay. So I guess. Just a repeat customer. Mm -hmm. That's rad. What What's more fulfilling for you? Dealing with guys that maybe have an ego that are world renowned riders or the guy from Switzerland that no one knows who he is. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Everybody's as long as they're not too bad of any, ego. I don't like egos. <laughs> I was never like, I was never like that. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, people thought I was when I was a young surfer cause I was just shy cause you're quiet and I wasn't talking. Yeah. I would just talk to the people I knew. They yeah. thought I was, I had an ego or something, but I wasn't, it was just an, I just wasn't open to people. Which had to be hard. It had to backfire. When you get the loud guy, like, like I'm just comparing you to Gerlach because you're mm -hmm. friends. He's so outspoken and out, outgoing. Yeah. And you seem totally opposite. But I knew him, so I You guys were friends. Yeah, yeah. I was, we'd laugh and talk, and he'd crack jokes. I'm just thinking from the pro perspective, complete opposites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were. Personality-wise. Yeah. That's right. Right on. One of the most things that stokes me out is doing the designs for Bell you know, someone I don't even know from other part of the world will DM me on Instagram and send me pictures of their new helmet and they're all pumped. And that makes me really proud to, uh, it's like getting a custom helmet for a lot of people because they're really detailed designs and 
I know they're making thousands of them, but still, you know, it's not a full custom, but people are pumped and they're sending me photos from wherever they live and they're all excited about it. And that makes me feel good about what all the hours I work and stuff like that. You have to have some motivation to keep showing up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It would get hard. Yeah. Do you enjoy coming into work? Yeah. The motivation just comes from everything, you know? I just take in stuff, whatever I see in all different aspects of life. If you're having a bad day, do you just walk away for the day and be like, okay, I'm taking the day off? Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. Like Sometimes you have Sometimes to. you have mistakes or something goes wrong or... You know, what about just, supplies during COVID and all that? Has that been an issue for you? Yeah, COVID sucked. Did it? Yeah, th- there wasn't a lot of orders coming in. A lot of people were getting sick, and and plus they couldn't probably go on the on the track to go ride, right? Yeah, and the production of like the helmets and stuff all stopped in China and all that stuff. Oh yeah, see that's what I mean. Shipping. Well, there's so many. Different was that things. a hard time for you? It was. I mean, I had work, but okay. it was difficult for everybody, right? Right. But I had one more question: is to be self-employed and motivating, at what point do you? Where do you see this business going? Do you have a, Do you have goals for that? Yeah, or have, have you reached all your goals? I have a major goal for that, but I need a good. I need some really good business people because mm-hmm. I'm I'm restructuring. I'm an artist. I'm not really a business person, but I've learned on as I went along. Yeah, and um, so that's all new to me. Yeah, and I'm trying to restructure the business, and uh, my goal is to. You know, the name's already big worldwide and the brand and everybody knows Tacker Designs and the, right. are the motocross industries. I just need some business guys and investor because uh, some of my competition, they're ahead of me. They've been doing it longer before me. But, you know, they're selling their businesses for millions of dollars. And mm-hmm. that's kind of like what I'm looking forward to, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> you worked hard. Yeah. Your whole life. So, I mean, and your, and your work is... Top notch. Maybe I can retire. I won't be in the shop still. (laughs) (laughs) And that is your goal? Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) Maybe come in and just oversee it or something? I don't know what a lot. Yeah, that's what a lot of those guys that are selling. Yeah. They're making bank and then they're still getting paid salary and they're just in there to supervise and make sure everything's going the way it should be, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of companies, when they get bought out by big corporations, Mm -hmm. they go down because they don't have the original people in there directing. And they ruin their own businesses. So you got to keep the person with the vision like me to uh keep it going if i was here and i would be here i was going to wrap this interview up but but what you just said is mm-hmm. look at the volcoms look at the quicksilvers yeah. look at the billabongs they're still there they're there but if you, they're getting bought out by big companies and they're and they're yeah. they're losing their surf core yeah that's what i see in a lot of companies when they turn corporate yeah that's what I mean by they got to keep the you here to make sure you stay core, mm-hmm. whatever that is in, in motocross. Yeah, they got to keep the visionaries there, right? Yeah, they, I think it's a must. Yeah, I think if that goes away, then they lose the business. If they just keep them in there and pay them a salary to make it keep growing, that's it's worth it. I would say one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like look at Fox, you know yeah. Fox Racing. Yes, they're huge, huge. Giant. They were going under because all the brothers, I don't know the whole story, but broke up. There's a bunch of Fox brothers. They just got bought out for like 400 and something million. Wow. <laughs> but it is a huge name. Yeah. It is a huge It's name. been around forever in the motocross industry. Right. Actually, I have one question about that. Mm-hmm. Remember Fox back in like the 80s mm-hmm. in Australia? Is that the same? Uh, Do you remember? Like, like I think like Jason Buttonshaw or Nicky Wood wrote for Fox. Really? Yeah. 
Look at the oh, yeah, old, yeah. I old do remember it, boards. but I don't know if it was motocross. I don't. Yeah, that's maybe my it was question. just their apparel. Yeah, it might have been apparel, or it might have been just an Australian company. I wasn't really even into motocross in the eighties. I was just surf. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. I was just wondering if. They but were I do the remember same. they had those logos on their boards. And yeah, stuff. I didn't know if it's the same company or not. Probably is. You think so? They've been around forever. Okay, interesting. <laughs> if someone wants to, let's say, bring a surfboard in to get have you spread, mm-hmm. are you still open to that? Mm, I don't really do boards anymore. No. They don't pay anything. <laughs> that, yeah, that's People are like, that's why I got out of uh, doing surfboards too, because okay. when I quit, it was like, people don't want to pay even $50 to get their boards painted. That is an issue. And then I go to do helmets now, I get paid 500 to thousands of dollars for one helmet. Wow. See all these helmets here? Yeah. Those are all like 500 bucks to, you know, Good. 20, 25. Good grand. for you. Yeah. What about, uh, recruiting any air sprayers out there would you be interested in that oh i'm always looking for help but it's like a lost art it's hard to find people that do what i do nowadays have you went looking in the surf industry to see if some of those guys wanted a transition i tried but really it's like you said artists are a different breed yeah they are and i don't know that it's hard for them to even to work for someone like you said yeah there's all these conflicts yeah there's i've tried (laughs) (laughs) they think they're better than you and they actually suck at doing helmets. Really? It's totally different than surfboards. Yeah, yeah. It was so, something you'd probably have to teach them, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it would take years. Yeah. Then they think they're hot shit, and they go try to start their own thing. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, everybody. This is Mike and Tag, and we are out of here. Thank you guys for joining us. See ya. guys endless summer box set this thing is legit it's authentic numbered certificate in it it has a five frame film strip from the original print you will literally own a piece of history it has a specially minted bronze medallion 
Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.